The Loss of Podcast. The Loss of Podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe you want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. I want to talk about sexy teens. I was getting erections. It's a very creepy feeling. I can guarantee that underwear theft will come up again. None of this is relevant. Pokemon, Pokeballs. 750 milliliter bottle of rum. Welcome to the Velocity Podcast. A study in monology. This is your grumpy uncle Peter. He will say words at you. So, here we are. It is the final Velocity Podcast. I was about to make, like, oh, don't cry. So I kind of wanted to go over what Velocity Podcast was supposed to be and what it ended up being. So initially, with the first episode, the first episode I talked about the Holy Prepuse, which is Jesus' foreskin, which should set the tone for everything I spoke about ever after. My idea was very good. It was to take a myth or a story and then talk about it as if it was 100% true and what that sort of implied. And then talk about it sort of 100% skeptically and talk about like the lies or the implications or things like that. And it worked really well for a couple of things. The problem was I essentially would have needed a research team to find me stories and topics. By myself, I wasn't able to do it fast enough or I should have taken like a year and just built up a store of stories. So then I needed to pad while I was finding other stories. So I would talk about other stuff or I would tell personal stories or just basically just became random. And something I've always done when I was back writing for websites on the internet and basically any any sort of writing I did media-wise, I would end up talking about the news. So I wrote for a video game website. I did a thing called the, the News Roundup and it was just video game news of that week, sort of in short form. And I worked for a website that was about Japan I did the same thing. It was like News on Japan, sort of a weekly roundup. That's clearly something I've always enjoyed doing. Basically, I would like to do The Daily Show. If I was going to aspire towards something, it would be that style. I would talk about the news, make jokes, try to make it informative and yet interesting. So from that, I started in my podcast, in Veloc Podcast, some weeks I would talk about weird Japanese news. And that was fun to do. And it was growing, so I thought, ah, I will make that into a second podcast because I'm going to talk about it anyways. So separating the two made sense. And we workshopped the name and we came up with Ninja News Japan. Then I made a one-off joke uh, about, I think I was making fun of ASMR and then I did some goofy daily affirmations and that was funny. And so I made about 27, 28 and I made daily affirmations weekly. And that became its own mini podcast. It hasn't continued. I've actually written a bunch more. So I was going to come out in sort of batches every year or two. And that'll help keep updating it. So basically, Podcast became the playground where I experimented and tried stuff. Uh, and that became other podcasts. But there were two problems. One, every now and then I would just have no content because it's like, well, what am I thinking about? So I needed to organize what the content was. But if I was reorganizing, this became this kind of spawned an idea. There is one fatal flaw with Velocity Podcast, and that is the name. Because even my close friends, who I would talk to regularly, 
they would never say the name. They would always say the dinosaur podcast or that podcast you do. No one ever said Velocipodcast. It made me realize that the name is hard to remember. But if the name's hard to remember, it means you cannot share it. You can't go to your friend, oh, I heard this podcast. It was vaguely interesting. I can't say positive things about myself. So it always has to have like a, a, little, a little touch at the front to make sure it's not too positive. You should listen to it. It's called, <clears throat> I can't remember the name. It has a dinosaur in it or something like that. The name Velocipodcast came from my Xbox 360 username, which was Velocipeter. And then I had the website Velocipeter, and I was just, again, random stuff went up there. And so when I made the podcast, when I tried to do it at first, Velocipodcast was a joke off that name, and I was going to call myself Velocipeter. But, yeah, it was a mistake. And again, I didn't know that at the time. I thought a unique and interesting name would be great. It would help me stand out. But what it actually did was made it impossible for people to remember or share. So I decided, okay, if I'm going to reorganize, I'm going to do it properly. And I looked into just renaming the RSS feed, the stuff that's actually in Podcast. It's actually really difficult. You have to make new everything. So if I'm going to make new everything, I might as well get a new name that is easier to remember. So my current PlayStation name is Chunk McBeef Chest. I was like, oh, well, you know, that is a name that people remember. And then I was like, ah, oh, but it's long. So I could call myself Chunk McBeef Chest. I could use that in a lot of things. But people who've heard it all enjoyed it as a name. But I still wanted it to be easier to remember. So I went with uh, friends actually suggested C. McBee. I thought, oh, that's very good. It's short. It's easy to remember. Once you hear it a couple times, you're, gonna, you're not going to make a mistake on that. I went and looked up. There are actually like three or four podcasts called C. McBee, but... Chuck McBeef just makes it stand out from those. So I think actually it's pretty good. And so for the last 20, it's probably more than that, probably like the last six months, I started producing C. McBee twice a week and Podcast uh, twice a month and Podcast twice a month. So that's my four-week schedule. So I was still doing it, but hopefully moving people over slowly to... So like any subscribers to Podcast who enjoy the content, they could move over to CMCB comfortably and I wouldn't lose too many. That's absolutely not what's really happening. Uh, looking at the numbers, I'm getting about a quarter. But again, it's growth on its own. It has to be its own thing. So Podcast, it was random. It was where I played. And, you know, now because I did it for five years has like a really, you know, a, a, an affection because it was the first thing I did. The first thing I've done that actually I think lasted that long, which is nice. Hopefully C. McBee goes even longer and grows more of an audience because people could actually say, oh yeah, I heard this podcast, C. McBee, you should look it up. Uh, they look it up and they'll find Chunk McBeef Chest. I don't know. If you search Chunk McBeef Chest, it is the only name that comes up. So that's great. So I've, that's the one I have locked in for the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if someone, the instant they hear that, like goes find some other thing and, and gets it. But whatever. That's not what we're talking about. So I was like, okay, we're, we're coming up. I w- this is episode 275. I was tempted to go to 300, but that's like another, like again, six months before I could actually just move on to one other thing and only have two podcasts, which is really what I want. And I was like, I need a through line. What has been consistent that will help me finish uh, Veloc Podcast properly? What, what has been something that is, has been universal that I've come back to, that I've hit upon. And I realized it's actually very clear. It's very simple. It was looking me in the face the whole time. I hate Steven Seagal. 
I hate Steven Seagal so much, it's almost visceral. I watch his movies to reaffirm how bad his movies are and how much I hate him. I despise Steven Seagal. And there's this weird thing that people do. So you get like a, an asshole, a terrible person, and they'll always try to give them some kind of credit. Like, you know, that guy, he was always good at his job. We have to, if you, if you want to give him some credit, he was good at his job. Well, no, being good at your job isn't enough to offset the fact that you're a terrible human being. Steven Seagal, everyone always goes, well, you want to give him credit. He was like an Aikido teacher, uh, but he's, you know, a sexual predator. He's a horrible human being. All the stories about him on set are pretty awful. He's actually not a very good fighter. Um, and he's not a very good actor or action star. So, I mean, he has nothing going for him. And if people want to give him credit for Aikido. I'm sorry, of the martial arts, Aikido is one of the worst ones. I'm sure Steven Seagal would disagree. The irony here is the movie I'm about to watch parts of with you. He doesn't actually claim to be doing Aikido. He claims to be doing Kung Fu, which he has no training in. It's very obvious. Uh, they, they bring in a stunt double for certain scenes, generally ones where he steps backwards, because apparently that's too hard for Steven Seagal. Uh, and he loses about 40, 50 pounds when they use in, when they, they bring in the stunt double. They could have, I guess, padding up your stunt double to make him look as fat as you is pretty insulting. So I guess they can't do that. Now, to give you a sense of the pain I went through, I watched this movie in its entirety twice. I watched it once just to watch it because I got it on my computer and I was like, okay, uh, I want to watch the movie and then hate on Steven Seagal a little more. Then I was like, yesterday, I was like, oh, I'll watch it all the way through and I'll do commentary as I go. And I did and it didn't work. So I was going to edit that in and that was going to be this podcast that you're listening to right now, but it didn't work. It didn't work because... I had to watch it, and then I couldn't stop and react. And I realized, ah, and again, this is also an audio format. So primarily, most of my audience, I, I post these to YouTube, but it gets like two views at the most. And one of those is probably me checking that it works, that kind of stuff. My audience is still podcast. It's still audio. So I can't be doing the like, oh, look at how bad he is at Kung Fu. Uh, look at how bad he is at breathing. Look at how bad he is at walking forward. So I went through and I scrubbed out all the sort of little speeches. Now, the thing you need to know more than anything else, Steven Seagal wrote this movie. So he's producer, he's the writer, and he's the star. So the one thing we are getting in this movie is how Steven Seagal sees himself. And it hits all the flaws I have with movies and all the flaws I have with Steven Seagal as a human being. Steven Seagal, of course, thinks he's awesome, but would never put himself in a position to be proven otherwise. He will only fight with people he's paying to lose. He would never actually like demonstrate real skills with people who could actually like challenge him. As a movie, he fails on the main plot. So let's give you the plot is that Steven Seagal, at the beginning, is a soldier, and he kills a woman, and the woman has nice boobies, so he feels really bad. He kills like 10 guys, and then kills a woman who has her boobies out. You get to see the boobies like three times. Uh, and he feels really bad, so he gives up in the military, and then goes to the east, and then sits down and prays to Buddha. We're going to hear that bit, because he gives a speech about like the, the weight of war. Then, in three years... 
he manages to become both a kung fu master and a doctor, and he lives in this little town where he's now incredibly rich while everyone else is incredibly poor. Don't know how that works. Uh, he's, he's an awesome kung fu master, and he's an awesome doctor, and he, he can like basically touchy-heal you. Uh, then someone comes and says, my daughter's been kidnapped. She has magic powers of healing. And then the dream happens, and the dream sequence is pretty awesome because he gets some more boobies. Uh, she, the dream happens, and she says, like, you're going to come save me. And then he goes, and he saves her. But the way he does it isn't with his kung fu skills, really. It's not with his doctor or mediation. He doesn't throw or eschew the eschew the, the, the trappings of warfare. He calls back his old crew, which are all really awful people. And he brings them in, and he shoots up a place. And does exactly what he did as a soldier. Now, apparently, if you do it for the benefit of one woman whose boobies you've seen, it makes up for the fact that you killed a woman with boobies. And it, as a through line, there is no consistent thematic point. There is no, there is no understanding of what makes a good story. Spider-Man is a great example. Uh, the movies are, don't do it as much as I would. If, if I was writing a Spider-Man movie, this would be extreme. But the reason I feel that people love Spider-Man is because he's relatable. One of the things he's relatable to, which actually isn't very realistic, is he gets beat down really hard, and then he gets up and he doesn't give up, and he tries really hard and wins. So he overcomes something, and so you feel like there's tension. In this film, Steven Seagal never even takes a shot to the face once. So there, I think there are three main fight scenes, and in them, he does not get touched at all. And it makes you feel immediately like there's no threat because he's God level apparently compared to everyone else. There's no threat. There's no threat of death, never mind injury. So there's no chance he's going to lose. The cumulative fight at the end with him in the bad guy, the bad guy has a magic disease that means he can't go out in the sun. So it's like a vampire disease. So he's locked in his room. He has to stay in this room. So the bad guy kidnaps the magic girl to come and heal him and he's trying to convince her to heal him he's doing it by like killing other villagers because he's evil and then Steven Seagal shows up and saves her this is not a spoiler but you think how hard he had to work I'm going to make myself awesome I'm going to have a magic girl and a guy with like a magic disease and that's going to be my plot and I'm going to say I hate war but then I'm basically going to use the tactics of war to solve this problem so the other sacrifice I have made on behalf of anyone who listens to Velocity Podcast and, more importantly, I just lost the end of that sentence. It was probably a pretty good joke. I forget the good ones and then I remember it later. I spent 330 yen on the YouTube rental for this movie so that I would be able to show it to the people who are watching live on Twitch and uh, on uh, the video later. Now, we're not going to watch the whole movie, so I, I guess I probably could get in trouble for copyright, but strangely, I'm not that worried about it. But we're going to listen to the speeches because, again, this is the bits that Steven Seagal wrote for himself. So he knew, he had himself in mind when he said these lines. Uh, he wrote it for himself because this is what Steven Seagal thinks is cool. I'm going to sit up so that my chair doesn't squeak so you get that big ping out of there. Let's get the... Get that up on the screen. This is this is Steven Seagal at the beginning. His team, his uh, team of sixty to seventy year old spec ops guys are going in to this parking structure to kill Middle Eastern people. 
Whoa, 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 it wasn't Japanese before. Did I just pay 300 yen for a Japanese movie? Oh, come on. <laughs> I might have to go back and do what I did before, and uh, I played the sample, and the sample was English. Ah, oh, Steven Seagal stole my money. The bastard knew what he was doing from the beginning, didn't he? <sighs> what do I do? I guess it doesn't matter again because now I've just hit. I'm going to hit the audio part, so this is now going away. <laughs> Steven Seagal got me, that son of a bitch, on the last one. So we're not going to worry about how fat he is. We're not going to worry about how poorly he fights. But believe me, he's very fat and he fights very poorly. One thing to note: listen to how hard it is for Steven Seagal to speak while breathing at the same time. The weight of war is a heavy burden to bear. Some say it's a necessity. The stage on which good can triumph over evil. So now it's just a lot of shooting. Um, basically, yes, we've seen we've seen that he killed a lady with boobs, and he's really upset about it. So he's quit the army and now gone to a cave somewhere in the east. The war must be fought from within. It'll take a lifetime to make amends for the terrible things I've done. Okay, so what Steven Seagal has said is that war is a heavy burden, but the real war needs to be fought from within. And yet somehow from this point on, three years later, he has completely won the war from within. He's not necessarily atoned for his sin of killing the woman with boobies, but he has, you know, come to peace with it and is trying to make the world a better place without war and again i think that is the most important part that he wants to do this without war so we get a six there you go and then up on the screen right now it says written by steven seagal we get to about 30 minutes before they actually start the main plot of the movie which is the girl getting kidnapped okay roll back at 12 oh four so this is where he's doing kung fu with his friend uh, who he's trained with, I assume, for the last three years, although they make it sound like it's been a whole lifetime. And yet, Steven Seagal has managed to surpass this man who's probably studied Kung Fu his whole life. According to the words of our great master, unless you have emptiness and complete calm, the butterfly will leave. You see, he never left. So what's happened is... Steven Seagal took a butterfly and kept it in his hand while he did some some Tai Chi Kung Fu stuff with his friend. And apparently, uh, Steven's gotten to such a level that he can hold the butterfly and not hurt it and it won't fly away because he has complete emptiness and calm. Which again, he's, he's saying is the sort of peak level. He's actually teaching this guy who trained with him who just never aspired. They did do a weird thing where all the non-English speakers... Just speak their native language. I actually think this is happening in Thailand. It was hard for me to recognize. I, I thought some were speaking Chinese. I think maybe it's true. Some are speaking Chinese. Some are speaking speaking Thai. Maybe there's like some uh, other languages in there. It actually conceptually is quite cool, but Steven Seagal just speaks all the languages. Like he understands them all and just responds in English. So that's weird. Then we get to our first dream. Now, the interesting part about the dream sequence, more than anything else, 
is that Mr. Seagal is so fat, they don't show him lying on his back. You normally think of a dream sequence where like a ghost lady comes to you. You're lying on your back and she floats down above you. In this, he's lying on his side so you can see his profile because it hides his stomach. Uh, and then uh, you get to you get to see the uh, lady who's going to get kidnapped, uh, primarily with her shirt off. And she's, of course, 20 years old and going to fall in love with the 60-year-old Steven Seagal, who has got a goatee that looks like really bad pubic hair. Your destiny awaits you. Okay, what she just said was the word Axe. That is Steven Seagal's name in this movie. His name is Axe. Now this is the empty, calm, kung fu master. Axe. I mean, that was it. So he's had his first dream. So then while he's in the street, he's challenged to a duel. Uh, He beats the living crap out of the guy by pushing him gently and he falls backwards really hard. If you ever watched like bullshito videos on the internet, you'll actually see this where the the master touches one of the students and he flies backwards and it looks really fake because it is. So this is again how cool Steven Seagal thinks he is. I'll give you your duel. I'll allow you to live. But I'll guarantee you that you'll never act this foolish again. So Steven Seagal is going to be like, I am so high above you level-wise, I'm going to allow you to live. But I guarantee you'll never do this foolishness again because uh, instead of just, you know, talking to the guy or figuring it out, he just beats him up. And then, of course, the guy falls in love with him because that's what happens in a Steven Seagal movie. He's awesome, and therefore he f- everyone wants to be with him. Steven Seagal in this movie is prescient. He actually had a dream about this, about his destiny, before it actually even happened. Who are you? I am nothing. I am everything. I am emptiness. The suchness of luminosity unborn and undying. You have turned from your ways of the past, ways of pain and great suffering. You will soon face a crossroad, another chance to save the many you could not save before. You are the only one. Why have you come? It is you who will come to me. Come to me. He, I guess he had to pay that woman to show her boobs to him. Ah, it's it's a bit painful, to be honest. Uh, then we run into easily the best character in the movie, who is a guy who is the dark side of Kung Fu, which I enjoy immensely. Because his speech was one of the best, it was the best delivered, and it was the most, he's the most interesting character. Uh, as soon as he finishes this speech, he gets killed. You know, there's no greater evil than those who harm children. You know what I did before I started kidnapping children? No, what did you do? I was a hitman for the tribes. Wow. You are one of those idiots who learn Kung Fu. 
believing all true power must come from a spiritual foundation. I, however, learned kung fu to kill. Those like me will always be much stronger. All attention is focused on one thing. You, however, are divided into two things: your phone is spiritual, and your physical technique. You are at a tremendous disadvantage. All right, and then the guy just totally gets wrecked. Uh, Stephen, on the other hand, uh, apparently has found the perfect balance between the spiritual and the physical because he can he can beat the bad guy super easy. So that guy literally has a death scene. Steven Seagal has, if you want to take the the true, honest, spiritual kung fu path, done the exact opposite of that. He has decided that, no, wrecking bitches, killing people, that's the way into the future. Uh, Then he gets his old team together, his old team of killers, and it has like a, suddenly a heisty vibe, which I found really interesting. But there's a little side part where he talks to his master. I'm pretty sure his master is supposed to be a famous kung fu dude. And again, this is this is half English, half maybe Chinese. The mind is infinite, but the body is finite. That being said, if my eyes don't deceive me, we're going to have a lot of time to receive your wisdom. But again, like, so Steven Seagal's just written in lines to make him, like, he's literally talking to the great master like they're equals, even though he's supposed to be the student. Then we're at minute 54 of this one and a half hour movie, and the team gets together and they're going to go save the girl. So here we get the scene where they all sit down together and talk about the plan. First up, I know everybody's here. You're all here because you think you owe me something. You don't owe me nothing. So he's gone from uh, Kung Fu enlightened, uh, talking about the body is finite and the mind is infinite to you don't owe me nothing, uh, almost street talk because he's a fucking idiot who has no idea about consistency of character because I don't think he has a character himself. Therefore, he cannot maintain a character throughout a film, and he certainly doesn't know how to write, and you can see how just how depressed I'm actually starting to get over this. Yin Yin, I want you to go in there dressed as a customer. Uh, you can dress like someone real sexy. It's up to you. You can dress like someone real sexy. It's up to you. Uh, they've already established her as being sexy, but I think this is ridiculous because they always do. I mean, again, he's paying these girls, so he's paying them for a very specific role. And it's painful. It's actually painful. All right, I know I'm asking a lot, but for what it's worth, cause is just and we are righteous. So the cause is just and we are righteous, and that makes it perfectly acceptable for us to kill multitudes of men to save one woman. And I, I don't know if we're talking about balance here, but I think the enlightened kung fu way would be to find another way, maybe get in there and change the bad guy's mind about doing bad things or don't kill all these underlings. Like, let's maybe disable them, stop them, sort of Batman-esque. But, of course, Steven Seagal has abandoned that path completely. His crossroads was literally, oh, no, let's go back to that other stuff I did before with the people I did it with. Therefore, there's almost no alternative to shooty-shooty, kill-kill, bang-bang. And then we get one of the weirdest jokes in the whole movie. Bro, I hear one question. Really? What the hell is that name, Q-Mum? 
I really don't know, but I could introduce it to his mama and you could ask her. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone laughs at that. I still don't make sense. The guy says, like, what's with that name? And then I guess you could have sex with his mom. And that's funny. Like, I don't know, maybe someone, this is, realistically, Steven Seagal wrote this, so you know he's not taking notes. You know no one took a second pass at this script. He's in the production company, therefore it's going to get produced the way he wrote it. And he's written in, everyone laughs at uh, Axe's cool and smooth quip. Uh, that's it for actual speaking parts. There's some sexy bits where two girls kiss and some more boobies and stuff. And then he kills the bad guy uh, by cutting off his arm and slashing his throat, which is, you know, the peaceful Kung Fu way of doing it. Uh, Saves the girl who then falls into his arms as if they've known each other. And this is not a creepy 60-year-old man who's, you know, just done a terrifying thing as well. The final scene that matters is Steven Seagal speaking to a group of older Asian men, which I believe are supposed to be all the Kung Fu masters, about what Kung Fu is and who it's for. That is to say that the world as we used to know it doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. The traditions, the values, the ethics, the morals given to us by our fathers, by our fathers' fathers, our ancestors, our masters, are not rapidly diminishing they are almost literally gone. Asian martial arts have gone all over the world, but it is at risk of a deep, dark sickness. For there are those who have sought to use their strength and knowledge, not for the greater good, but for their own evil ambitions. He is struggling to breathe while speaking multiple lines. Like, you, you, I have a microphone right in my face, and I don't sound, like, out of breath like he is. And he's just doing the exact same thing I'm doing right now. These are the masterless ones, the ronins. So, he just used the term ronin. Now, a ronin is a Japanese term for a masterless samurai. So, I was a samurai, and I had a master, and then my master dies, and then I become ronin. He's talking about kung fu to Chinese people. That is actually not going to work for them very well at all. But he is also talking about how, like, you know, martial arts are now international. And it's not just for you Chinese people anymore, I guess. The ones who have broken the lineage were those of the most precious wisdom to leave behind to us have been forsaken, ridiculed, and ignored. Kung Fu is not just for the Chinese. It's for all people. As all martial arts are for all people. Lastly, I just wanted to say it's been my honor to be alive in a time where real masters have walked here, where I've been able to walk, to listen to them when they've spoken, and they've led all of us to where we are today, all of us in this room. If we can devote every last breath we have to the propagation of trying to protect the last bit of unbroken lineage, and commit our lives to helping the innocent, the needy, the defenseless. Setting an example of humility and servitude for the generations to come. Then Kung Fu may yet survive us all. All of these words today that we've all spoken 
will have been worth something, and our prayers will not be empty. So, Steven Seagal has just given a speech on how everyone should be humble. Now, one of the things I know about Steven Seagal is that the man is anything but humble. And humility is not a word he really understands. And even in this movie, he actually hasn't shown any humility towards anyone else, except for the fact he did sit in front of his master, who he then spoke to like a complete equal. I hate Steven Seagal. I hate Steven Seagal so much. It's so painful. And I just... I don't wish death on people, and I don't wish for Steven Seagal to die, but I really would like if something would happen so that he couldn't make movies anymore. Like, I would really, really be happy about that. Uh, Then they do, again, since there's no humility, they go into the end credits, and in the end credits, the song over it is Steven Seagal and his blues band, because if you didn't know, Steven Seagal also has a blues band. So I'm going to stop there because I I can't actually listen to the whole song. But this did, as a final thing, make me go, oh, let's take a look at at some of uh, Steven Seagal's songs. Because I actually did an episode on uh, Girl, It's All Right, where the video has him, at that time probably 50-year-old Steven Seagal, uh, getting it on with a girl who looked like she was in her teens, maybe... She was an adult. It was real close, whatever it was. Or he got the youngest looking adult he could. But I, when I just was jokingly looking through the songs, found one called My God. And I was almost tempted to say, like, of course he's talking about himself, but it's, it's almost worse. These are the lyrics to My God. And I'm going to sort of read them to you. I'm certainly not going to sing them to you. And then uh, I'll play a little bit. And then we're going to wrap up there. Because it has been a long, painful episode for me. Because this has actually been like the second, third time I've done this. Do you fear me? You can't stand to be near me. Will I come from a different place? My philosophy's from outer space. My religion is strange. I think it's because you fear change. Afraid to try to understand. A stranger in a strange land. Don't think I'm going away. You best believe I'm here to stay. Because my God is better than your God. Maybe you don't like my skin or what I believe in. You don't like my prayer. You don't like the clothes I wear. How many people have to die for what one man might think is right. The true path to like is more than one. Why do you force your will with a gun Let's start another holy war. I'll show you what I'm killing for. My God is better than your God. My God is bigger than yours. My God is better than your God. My God is bigger than yours. <sighs> um, so I'm just going to give you a taste of that song before we finish. <laughs> Uh-huh. 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 
My philosophy is from outer space. My religion is strange. Things cause you fear change. Afraid to try to understand. Strange in a strange land. But don't think I'm going away. You best believe that I'm here to stay. Because my God is better than your God. Maybe you don't like my skin. Or what I believe in. You don't like my prayer. You don't like the clothes I wear. How many people have to die? What one man might think is right. True path of life is more than one. Why do you force your will with the gun? This is not another holy war. Show you what I'm killing for. My God is better than your God. My God is bigger than yours. Okay, I, I, I think that might be enough of that. So, Stephen's called writes songs about how his God is better than everyone else's God. He's not actually clear into which God he's talking about, but it's his, and that's all that really matters. And it's hard to tell if he's being ironic. He writes a movie where a guy gives up a warrior's life to learn Kung Fu and be a doctor, but then given the choice to save someone, immediately goes back to the warrior life that he said was so wrong, uh, killing dozens of people without a moment's hesitation to be honest like he didn't like have a a crisis of conscience before he went and like killed everybody he just went and did it and Steven Seagal sucks and that is I think one of the most appropriate final sentiments for a podcast ever in fact if any podcast ends the last phrase spoken should just be Steven Seagal sucks so now I'm going to talk a little bit about C. McBee. And the reason is, it is, if you enjoyed the last five years or any of the episodes of Velocipod Podcast, you will be getting, of course, the same kind of content at C. McBee. There is a more structured system, though. The first week is a deep dive into a topic. I did a discussion of the robot apocalypse and how most often they aren't very good because they're written by people. And then some ideas about what would make it more realistic from a to actually make it seem like a robot did it. The next week is, right now, what I'm doing is reading a free book from Amazon called Alien Caveman's Ransom. And then I'm going to have another week, the third week, where I talk about a bunch of random stuff. It's going to be mostly just stuff from the internet. Maybe if people start sending me messages, I can start responding to messages and talking about other things. And then I'm taking a week off to work for another pro- on another project, and it'll be three weeks. So it's a three-week cycle one week off, three week cycle, one week off. I'm hoping that one week off will also help me get sort of better quality, but certainly the more organized pattern has made it a lot easier for me to put episodes together. And if they're easier to put together, I can focus more on the actual content and what I'm saying and stuff. And hopefully that'll make it better. So please consider subscribing to CMCB. If whatever you're on right now, you can, you can search for it. I'm sure you'll find it. Uh, and I appreciate all the time people have given me. I appreciate all the time people have spent listening Uh, I appreciate all the messages I've got because more often than not, that's actually been the thing that makes the difference. If you would like to send a question or comment, you can send it to chunkmcbeefchest at gmail.com and I will start answering questions in those episodes. Uh, I would also like to thank Nigel Grover who wrote the theme song. I think it was like about a year or two in, just out of nowhere, said, hey, I wrote you a theme song 
and it's been consistent for the last three years, maybe four years. And he, I, he even offered to update it. And I was like, actually, I don't want it updated. I just kind of like, it's already now just its own thing. And I want to keep it the way it is. So thanks for that. It For me, it was a piece of branding that just brought the whole thing together. So I really appreciate that. Uh, I put a link in the description in the last few weeks. You can actually see his Bandcamp stuff. He makes a lot of different music. It's all very good. You should take a listen to that if you have a chance. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being with me. Please take consider taking a look at C. McBee. Let me see, I'm just talking in circles now. This is a classic of whenever I try to do something sincere, I just start talking in circles because I don't know how to end. Um, you can tell I don't want to like push it, but like if you like this, I want you to subscribe to Z McBee. I don't want to like lose everyone who came along for the ride. Um, but thank you. Steven Seagal socks. The loss of the loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe you want to get a piece of that. <laughs>